Hey, welcome back to The Deal with Danny Brown. Today's guest, good buddy Ray Nazarati, one of the most successful developers on the high end of Los Angeles, from the Palisades, the Bel Air, and everywhere in between. He's just some of the coolest homes, cutting edge, cutting edge technology and design, really sexy view homes. We have cannabis rooms, we have nightclubs, basketball courts, all sorts of crazy cool stuff. So looking forward to this conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, be safe out there. Take care. Welcome to the deal. Today's special guest, Ray Nasrati, head and founder and CEO of Huntington Estate Homes. Good friend of mine. I've known him a long time. Staying busy out there, Ray. How you doing? I am, man. You know, China. Everyone healthy? Uh, everyone's great. Everyone's healthy. Thank God. Uh, Dad actually, unfortunately, had a little situation. You know, he had the oh. virus. And, oh, wow. Sorry. Uh, he was actually one of the, the first ones. Wow. Uh, yes, yes. At a UCLA, went ahead and got tested. They couldn't figure out what it was. They had no idea what it was. No, well, he had stent surgery, right? Yeah, he was supposed to have open heart surgery, which, thank God, it got changed. And then they went ahead and did stents. Uh, he comes home and uh, he had a fever. Huh. Rushed him back to the hospital. They started doing all the testing and everything was totally negative. Everything was fine. They did it for COVID and it took about three days at UCLA to go ahead and get back. And they call and they say he's positive. Holy shit. Now we're freaking out. Yeah. Because you don't know much don't about anything. it. Right? You don't know much about it at all. This is actually right before even... Um, Donovan Mitchell, you know, uh, the yes. jazz players actually went ahead and uh, tested positive for it and had found out during the game. So this is right Perfectly. before that. Oh. Right. This is right before that. This was about four or five days even before that happened. So he went back to the hospital and they kept them in there and they started testing and released them after, I want to say, about a week. Came home, quarantined for two weeks in there. Guys, healthy man, he's more active than me right now. Good, thank God. He's doing absolutely, he's healthy. absolutely, absolutely great. We so, need his antibodies. Right, that's it. <laughs> so, Ray, you are one of the most successful builders at the high end of LA. You build high end spec homes, view homes, some of the sexiest designed houses. You design them and build them yourself. We're going to get into that. Um, but really, I wanted to start with. What's going on on your sites now? I know you have active sites happening. You guys, I assume, are essential workers. So what's different, if anything, on your actual current active sites that you're building now? Um, definitely access to the projects has been easier, right? I mean, you know, my office is in Sherman Oaks, living in Encino. So it takes me about a good sometimes 45 minutes just to go ahead and get to one of the Brownwood projects. I mean, right now we're talking about 15 minutes in and out so that's the silver lining there for you right right um the other positive side is you know we're one of the few that are actually still active and building and can going up so a lot of these subs are definitely more available right a lot of the homeowners who are doing additions or doing whatever that was in, in their homes a lot of these other developers and investors are not really moving forward 
Got it. Felt like the way we're going. So that part of it has been easier also. But um, it's definitely slowed down because of the guidelines, right? Not yeah, so that's what I want to get into. Like on the actual site where you have people framing or pouring or, do, you know, the hard nuts and bolts, what's going on there? People safe distance? Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's safe. It's been pretty strong. We've been going. I'll tell you one thing also. To me, I feel like this whole thing has been a little over-exaggerated, right? I mean, that's just me kind of my personal opinion. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think it's definitely over exaggerated. I think the media, they won't, there is no positive media. Everything about media is damn negative, right? So, every yeah, you have to follow the guidelines, but I, I think there's definitely a lot more to it. Um, the guys are good, they're healthy. We haven't had any issues at our sites with any of the guys at all. We have a we have somebody full time that sanitizes the guys before they walk in, sanitize their hands. Every two hours to walk around again, sanitize. Keep keep a very very close eye on it. Um, superintendent full time, just kind of watching out over everything. The homes are big, you know. I mean, these yeah. homes are ranging anywhere between. Geez, smallest one right now is about thirteen thousand square foot. It'll go right. to about twenty five thousand square feet, right? Yes. So you have a lot of space. You do have a lot of space. Definitely do have a lot of space. But you know, again, with the guidelines, the amount of people that are allowed to kind of be there. We had an issue last week, actually. Uh, you know, so one of the neighbors in one of the projects, this lady's flying a drone over the project because she wants to make sure everything. She's been trying to stop it. Yes, of course. And I'm nosy neighbor. Oh yeah. oh yeah. There's always there's always one of those. Uh, you gotta love them. Uh, she wasn't able to stop it, so you know she's been trying to come and just take pictures, whatever. We have a security guard that actually sits also outside just to kind of keep a close eye on everything. So won't let anybody in unless you are authorized to go ahead and come in. You know, again, just follow the guidelines, delivery comes, whatever it is, just follow the 19 guidelines. So she gets a drone and starts going on top and trying to keep a close eye on everything. It's lunch, it's, yeah, it's lunchtime and these guys are sitting next together and having lunch. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, ching, ching. Hey, look at this. Oh my God, here we go. Next door, you know, it's on a next door app. And, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Social distancing. Yeah. Yes. Right, right, right. Crazy neighbors. Yeah, I can go off on next door app. Well, look, I want to get into your uh, your incredible talent of design and building with cannabis rooms and basketball courts and nightclubs. But before we build to that, I'd love for people that don't know you very well to hear your story. I know you immigrated when you were younger from Iran. Can you tell us just the race story and how, how you got to get into real estate, starting from you know coming to America and give us the breakdown of that. So. Uh you know, born in Iran, uh, 1978, August 23rd, 1978. Actually, same exact birthday as Kobe Bryant, 823-78. Kobe, rest in peace. Yeah, maybe rest in peace, definitely. Um, so, moved to Germany, right? Born in Germany, stayed there for two years before we were able to go ahead and get our documents put together and move uh, to U.S. Um, your whole family came together? No, 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 no. So... Me, uh, my mom and I, and sister were, were able to go ahead and get out. Um, dad, unfortunately, was not. He was had to stay there a little bit longer. Dad actually came about a year and a half after we did. Yeah. All right. So we're all together for about six to eight months in Germany, and then we're able to go ahead and uh, move to get uh, fly out to Los Angeles. Got it. So you guys ended up in LA. So you've been here in LA since you were little. Correct. Correct. Since uh, eighty. 80- I want to say 
mid eighties. They went to school here, came up through the system here. What, how did you get into the real estate business? So I used to, I'll tell you a little background about that before I used to be in a wireless business. I actually started. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I actually that was your first hustle. That was it from high school, right? From high school, um, I went ahead and uh, was working for a for AirTouch Wireless. Yep. And, you know, just doing retail. So I kind of started thinking about how can we start doing more sales than these other guys? Yeah. So I started getting on the phone and actually telemarketing, right? Telemarketing, just the, lo the, the areas around us back then, it was Yellow Pages, right? Yeah, yeah, this is pre-internet. Right. So this is on the phone, cold yeah. calling. Right, right. So, you know, see who wants a phone in here on. And they were charging for 120 minutes. I'll never forget this. It was $69.99 for 120 minutes <laughs> and then 500 minutes nights and weekends. Right? <laughs> wow. And cash. There is no internet. There is no, no internet. Yeah. None of that stuff. Right? Yeah. We couldn't be doing, we, we were not able to do this back then. We're doing right now. No way. This is Nokia's or flip right. phones. Right. At the <laughs> That's it. Um, so then I started kind of doing, I was doing by myself more sales and I was keeping on the hush hush. You know, no one knows what was going on. I was doing more sales by myself out of 10 locations, right? That the guy I used to work for had. Yeah. So then I started, you know, thinking about this and trying to go ahead and take it to the next level. So I go ahead and uh, one of my dad's friends back then, I was young, I was in high school. Yeah. Right, right when high school kind of, I graduated from high school, I started renting a little office. Wow. Oh my God, what a hustler. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> started doing the same thing, right? So now you got, at that point, a lot of these telemarketing companies, if you remember, they were doing in-car ridges, right? That was a big thing. You would, you would call these major offices and you would sell in-car ridges and different things. People weren't telemarketing to sell cell phones at all. Yeah. You know, so I started going in, bought a buddy of mine in, and just a uh, short story, before you know it, I have 15 to 20 employees. Wow. Yeah, these are high school kids now. Right <laughs> after high school, they would go ahead and come in there, and they're on the phone, and just start telemarketing, right? Wow. Next thing you know, some of these kids are not going to school anymore. They're making money. They're making money. Yeah. They're making money. You know, a month later, one of the moms comes in and just goes crazy. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> was, I think it's a drug, a drug operation. You got young people making money. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it was, it was doing great and uh, started blowing up pretty good. Yeah, I went ahead and moved and I got a retail store actually location on Ventura Boulevard in Tarzana. What was it called? It was called uh, Cellular Promotions. Yeah, Tarzana. Right, right, right in Tarzana, and. Uh, <laughs> Same thing over there. We started doing all these cell phones. AT&T was also active. So I was buying AT&T contracts from the AT&T reps. AirTouch contracts. I'm sorry. LA Cellular. Back then was LA Cellular. LA Cellular. Wow. LA Cellular contracts. Yeah, I remember them. From, we were giving like those guys out the $50 for a contract, right? Now these contracts are always coming by. They're coming to the end. You have a three-year contract or a one-year contract, and then they expire. Yeah. Right now, at this point, rates are always getting better. Also, right? It was you know it started being sixty nine ninety nine back there for one hundred and twenty minutes compared That's to now. Right. Exactly, right? And these guys' contracts were finished, so we're doing the same thing back then with the the guys who had AirTouch contracts. So we're buying these leads and we're calling the AirTouch guys, switching them over to LA Cellular. LA Cellular switching them over to AirTouch. Now this thing is blowing up. Everybody yeah. was either looking to get a new phone. 
All right, no one had phones back then. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, I call you, I'm going to be able to solve you, say, be $20 a month and give you another five, 600 minutes. That's no brainer. Yeah. You know, so it started going. I mean, one thing led to another when I bought a building in Van Nuys. It was a little uh, industrial building instead of a whole. Well, I, before that, let me back up. Actually, Sprint PCS comes in. <laughs> All right. This is a funny story. Sprint PCS comes in. Dude, I'm like 22, 23. I mean, just holy party. Right, single, having a, having a great time. Um, yeah, so I met my wife actually a little bit right after that, so she started working for me. Oh, yeah. get that. <laughs> um, so they come in, Spring Peace is active now, I get a call, this guy, I was at lunch and I get a call from the office, this guy's here from Spring PCS and wants to see, I'm like, man, I don't have time for him. Because yeah. no, listen, he said he'll wait here for you. You definitely want to go in here. He's not here to sell you anything. He's got an you know, offering wants to make, and I say, hey, maybe he wants to go out and buy the company out. So I go down there and say, listen, we've been watching you. We've been watching that just opened up and we see what you're doing now. Out of this store, we're doing more activation than all of LA County. <laughs> cell phone store between Heritage and LA Cellular combined, right? Now here comes right. Yeah. And, you know, and then I have phones that were packaging, we're driving down to UPS and shipping these phones out to these people also. So that was the whole crazy part about it just getting these phones packing them was a lot more work to it what a hustle oh so this guy goes listen we'll we have a program we'll set up for you it's called sbdn small business dealer network you won't have to do anything you guys just sell you'll go ahead and send that order over to us we'll drop ship for you got it they'll handle everything yep and if you promise me an exclusive contract i will give you a nationwide so now what that means is I got a nationwide license. I can sell basically anywhere in the nation, right? Got Starting it. from East Coast in the mornings, all the way to Hawaii in the evening, right? I say so you just opened up a whole world of opportunities. Oh, oh, now I've been I'm a Verizon and Earth for about two years. I mean, I got contracts, yeah. right? We're we're doing about I don't know two three hundred activations back then, just on a monthly basis. So now these, these clients are in. Now here comes Sprint PCS. They'll ship you a free phone. I don't remember what the rate was, but it was like, yeah. wow. Right? They came out. It was a thousand minutes for like 49 bucks. It beat like everybody. That. It was an yep. awesome deal. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. So he sets it up. He sets, sets it up. He flies me on a private jet to Kansas City. Right? I'm like, <laughs> wine, dine. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. We had a great time with them. Whatever. I ended up signing with them. And uh, one thing led to another. And we got 140 reps. We're calling East Coast in the morning, right? Wow. Hawaii, Hawaii at night at home, right? So we stop out here. Let's say we stop at about 8, 8.30 on the marketing. In Hawaii, it was 10, 10.30 at night, right? Which is 8.30 out here. We're two hours behind. Right. So now we got Hawaii. So we're going to 10.30 our time, which is 8.30 Hawaii time. It was a full boiler room, and it started blowing up. Started doing this yeah, is a going. huge operation, and you're a young guy, you're a kid with great. all these people you're managing. Yeah, it was great. It was doing it, it was dealing with all these things. You know, these are not doctors that are on the phone. You know, you're different. You're dealing with characters. Yeah, uh, it started doing great, and um, ended up selling the company back in. 2004, I want to say. 2003, 2004. Okay. Right, right around there. 
um, I always had an eye for real estate, eye for design. I was, you know, remodeling. Basically, the office I was in, you know, just kind of different. I bought my own condo. I started remodeling, and I always yeah. kind of you're always creative and design oriented. Yeah. Just kind of blessed with the with the talent to be able to kind of vision, you know, something and be able to kind of put it all together. So I ended up going to uh, back then. This is Ellen Empire was hot next to KB Homes and all that. Oh yeah, the market was sizzling hot. All those new tract homes and all, all those new tract homes. Yes, yes. So I'm uh, driving just to start looking at stuff. We go to Loma Linda. I bought a property in Loma Linda um, to go ahead and just kind of hold and rent. And then we're going off to Palm Springs, right? Okay. Off Banning, Indio, Redlands, right off the yeah. here, and you see all these track developments going on. Oh, shit. So started looking at them. We're driving back, and I'm on a buddy of mine. We go, this is on a Friday, about 4 o'clock, heading back. Um, we go and sit down and have, have a drink, happy hour, whatever. What I see these guys next to us sitting over there. They had these t-shirts called, it was Greystone Homes. Greystone Homes back then was like KB. Got a big public builder. Right, right. So talking to the guy, guy ends up being the head poncho for Greystone Homes, right? We start talking, he's like, listen, man, I'm actually looking to leave. Now I got cash and I don't really know much about development, track and all that stuff. This guy's got all the experience and he's got all the connections. Yes. Because I actually have a very, very connect, great connection with the council office over here, you know, in the Ellen Empire. Huh. Go set up a meeting. We start talking. We hit it off really, really well. Yeah. He goes, listen, we have chicken ranches here. That are, I want these chicken ranches out. Right? If you want to go out and play with it, then I'm going to make a deal. We'll do a whole subdivision on it. So let's go look at it. So we started looking at these chicken ranches. And these guys have already had plans. And John Jesus Minos from Greystone Homes already knew which direction they're going. Yes. Right, on's going, right? So within the next 10 months, they were going to be actually about half a mile away from these chicken ranches. Wow. So I already know what's coming. Yes. So let's buy it. Start buying these chicken ranches. There were six of them kind of right next to each other. Each one you can do 37 homes. And each one? Each one. Right? These are little single family homes. You buy them, they'll work on the premise fees and all that stuff. I bought three of them. Right, got the other two and gave it to somebody else, and we started going ahead and doing subdivision and going up. Started going up. Uh, you built them or just yeah. entitled them? I don't know. We entitled them and built them. You built the track homes. I didn't realize that. These are wow. 20, these are between eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred square feet homes. Right, but these Koreans are coming in just boom. Them and them Right. So by the time it started going up, by the time it starts finishing, um, it hit a 2008, 2009. Ooh, perfect timing. Perfect time. Beautiful timing. And these guys start dumping these damn homes for like 40 fucking thousand bucks. Oh. Right? They have to get rid of them. Boom. So now what happens? Now you're like, yee, what do you do? Yes, um, that was when those institutions were coming in and buying up those track homes at pennies of the dollars and, rent, yeah, yeah. and renting them out until recently. That's it. That's it. You know, selling them again. They started kind of taking a bit. Um, but you guys got hammered got at hammered. the epicenter of that. Definitely got hammered. But I learned a lot from it. You know, I always say that was one of the most expensive and best lessons that I kind of had with it because this guy bounced all the time, right? 
He's not getting any balance. So I was stuck trying to figure out what to do with these. So started negotiating with the banks, right? Um, a good maybe 50% of them had to go ahead and let go. But the other 50% of them, they weren't 100% finished. So I sat on them a little bit, negotiated with the bank. Different investors came in, started ahead and finishing them and actually made a profit of about 68% on them at the end of the day. Got it. So you hung in there and turned it around and made it a win. That was it, yep. And you had the persistence and the fortitude to grind it out when your back was against the wall. Everyone was jumping ship. That's it. From there is when I learned location, location, location. You always hear that, right? Real estate is about location. Of course, it's true. So that's kind of where I started. You started there. So between there and where you are now, building these glass view mansions with basketball courts and cannabis rooms, I also know you, you, know, you were cutting your teeth on the west side, doing more... Uh, I won't, it's still high end, but not LA high end. In the Palisades, you were doing the family homes, the 4,000 foot home, and you were really doing well there. That's about when I met you. I think this was 10 years ago or so. And now from there, you've evolved into these uber mega modern glass, incredible. Oh, so kind of talk me through the progression from building the standard sort of family homes into these glass modern uh, uber luxury homes that you're doing now. You know, I mean, I still look at them. These are still kind of warm, still definitely a, a family home. But Palisade, when I first got started in Palisade, it was a different ballgame, right? The, the kind of buyers that are moving in Palisade right now are very different than the guys who were buying when I started building these cave yes. homes, traditional homes. Right. These were more just kind of family, a lot more conservative, you know, smaller home they were looking for. Um, buyers were a little different. Yeah, right. it's changed. Not 100%. So what you see now is a lot of new money, right? Just with the whole technology, 2020, the theme has changed. And the buyers are a lot of new money, a lot of younger, younger families that are starting to buy these homes, right? But you didn't really have that much back then, right? So in the thing about it in Palisade, the lots were in the alphabet, remember that? Uh, 5,200 square foot lot. 5,500 square foot lot. You weren't able to really play that much. First house I actually did was on in Palisades. Um, in the Alphabet was 806 Islet. Islet, yeah. So I yeah, started yeah. A, little, a little bit more blingy to it, like cool chandeliers, a wallpaper. Yes. It was standing out because everyone else was doing sort of that generic traditional. Yes. And you were like the first one to start doing this. Right. Transitional, modern, edgy, traditional. Right. People are like, wow, what is that? Well, it backfired. Right? <laughs> it backfired. The whole elevation. It was here's the thing about the Palisades by Bracton, they don't want to stand out. People are coming there kind of trying to be hidden and be away. You know, these guys got money, but it's just not in a way that the home not can't flashy. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I actually changed ended up changing the elevation a little bit after that. Yeah. To kind of make it go out and go out and flow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you pivoted. Yeah, yeah. You know, Palisade was just kind of holding me back a little bit. I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do, right? It was just kind of, I felt like it was holding me back a little bit. Lots were small. You weren't able to really play with it much here and there. Um, when I got to the Riviera, we did that. I think it was 1630 Amalfi. Amalfi? Remember that? That was a bigger lot. Yeah. Yep, bigger On lot. The circle. Exactly. Now you're, talking, now you're talking closer to Brentwood. This is not really... Palisade, Palisade, you were able to have a little more fun and do a little bit more, more massive projects. Yeah. Um, you know, but still it was not with all the 
the blings and yeah not a flashy audience right. still still right. very conservative right. family Dropped gorgeous you know some of the nba players actually jumped over the young nba guys they yeah, yeah. They were kind of Griffin and, yeah. right, right. they were all over also and then from there is when uh bel-air and uh and brownwood happened yeah you know and then you got into the modern hillside homes right so this is when i started really looking around and seeing what's going on in the whole neighborhood right and this is where you see okay this is a little different this is a little different these are definitely standing out a little bit more now the thing about these locations is they're bigger lots and a lot of these homes are more hidden so you don't really see them from the street they don't stand out to that side yeah. right but these are big lots now with this whole mansionization guideline also the amount of square foot that you're allowed to build yeah it starts making more sense on these lots you're definitely paying a lot more right for the land yeah but you can do a lot more with it also right so from there i started just doing bigger trying to be different and always trying to kind of look up how you can be a little bit ahead of the game these homes were designed um for honestly any buyer right yeah. any buyer you know your ceo your musician your athlete your your celebrity your conservative guy it kind of just flows it's sexy it's warm and it's fun right and it's still it's still a home yeah, that's what in Brent when you started early on, it was Walter Way and Tiger Tail and some of those, and then it's now you have Bel Air and some other things. So, talk to me, um, talk to me about that hillside building. For those that know, have no clue, it's one thing to put a house on a flat lot. Right. It's an entirely different animal to go onto a hillside in LA that's sloped and to build a foundation there for a big, massive home. What kind of complications expense what kind of issues you know, speak to that a little bit about building those big homes on a hillside in la totally different ballgame hillside is totally different ballgame. a lot of the hillsides also the streets are definitely not as wide especially in brentwood and Bel-Air. super narrow you gotta get oh, yeah. trucks in these little <laughs> you get these super narrow and you know neighbors that are not too happy if everyone knows about construction happening over there so yeah one when you're doing this hillside and doing these big lower level basements right this is when major grading is involved on a job like bundy for example right we took out over 1400 trucks of dirt 1400 1400 dirt, right? Oh. Just kind of picture that, right? And then the other thing, you know, these are soils conditions that are not the best in these neighborhoods, right? These are sitting on hills and just kind of slopes, and now you got piles. So you got major big cranes that have to go out and put these piles in, you know, and it's just the foundation is everything, you know, it's just like anything else. It starts with the foundation. If that foundation is not done correctly, you know, you're going to have major, major issues. And I, I believe in anything, you're as good as your team, right? You're as good as your team. So it's got to be a team that knows what the hell they're doing. There could be major issues. Yeah. I think a lot of people have gotten in over their heads in hillside homes. People have thought, oh, they see people like you and Niall and some other people making money and doing it right. Like, oh, I'll do this. I'll buy this lot. And then they get in over their heads with the caissons and the pylons and they don't have, they don't know the nuances. And then there's been some disasters. And I think there's certainly some now that are going to pop up. The disasters are going to become more apparent now because they're a couple of years into these projects. But yeah, you really need a specialized skill set and the capital to understand how much money you have to invest in those 
caisson foundations. I mean, that's, exactly. it's unbelievable. When I see those videos that you do with these cranes coming in and it's, it, it's like a, like you're building a 50 story high rise in Manhattan. It's gigantic machinery. It's really pretty much the same setup. You know, when you're doing these humongous kind of, you know, six, 7,000 square foot low basements and you're going down 80, 90 feet, 80 or 90 feet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> the soil, you're going to have to, and, and here's the thing with LA also, LA guidelines and the code, it's a totally different ballgame, man. Is it a whole earthquake and everything we got to worry about? Yeah, earthquake here? safety. Right. So, you know, you could take that same exact plan, for example, and move it over to, I don't know, Arizona or somewhere else. And you won't have to do that. Yeah. Sometimes you won't have to do that. It won't take, it won't require yeah. that. So tell me about some of the fun stuff you've done. Obviously, you've gotten a ton of publicity for this cannabis room. Right about now, while everyone's in quarantine, it'd be pretty phenomenal. If I was worth $100 million or a billionaire, I would love to be hanging out in my house with a cannabis room, a pool room, a card room, a basketball court. Talk to me about some of the fun stuff you're putting in homes or that you have put in homes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I call it an adult playground. Yeah. And it ended up right now being like a wow got such a high demand. I got clients um, in the past calling, hey, Ray, let's, can we do this here now? They want to do it after the oh, yeah, Come yeah. in and dig it out and build right, it. Right. And the funny thing about it is, you know, as, as you know, a lot of these homes that I'm doing are sold before you even see them, right? And uh, this was a kind of a very big factor of it. It was a humongous selling point. Some of these guys, right, don't want anyone to know. It's kind of a hush-hush thing. Still in the public's eyes, hey, you know, it's not still a kind of okay or a cool thing, the whole cannabis, you know, marijuana side. Yeah, it's political in some sense, yeah. yeah exactly. anyway, not, not as much as the rest of the world, but yes. It, but, you know, it's, it's still getting there. It's still but, touchy, you know, yeah. This is a, 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 I call it an adult playground, right? The cannabis lounge goes up to, up to six plants. Now, <laughs> what we set up also is, um, you know, if you don't, want that it gets transferred over and it grows um organic vegetables indoor you know it's like indoor vegetables perfect I would say, hey, yeah you know so some of my guys for example you know they didn't want that because you know they have kids or different reasons whatever it was yeah. we met with the chef the chef said hey this is what he does for his client he wants basil he wants lemon he wants whatever he wants exactly. you know so that was turned into that and then uh, the way it's set up, it's usually behind. It's usually uh, hidden, right? Yeah, behind a bookshelf, right? Incredible. I've seen some of where it's like, Ooh, it looks yeah. like a library, and it's literally like, Ooh, and then right. uh -huh. there's the playground. And then, you know, you have your video wall, you have the cannabis lounge, there are pool bars, cigar lounge. I had Billiards. a client. Yeah, and I mean, you know, whatever it is. Hey, I had a client who wanted it up. He called it a, um, an exercise pool. So we put a nice exercise ball. <laughs> exercise. Exercise ball. Exercise ball. You know? I love exercise poles, right? <laughs> <laughs> it worked out good, so we put an exercise ball. How about the basketball court? Is that your boy CP3 or what? You, you built some on the basketball court. Um, or you're not allowed yeah, to talk about uh, it. Was, no, it was, <laughs> yeah, Andre had one. Uh, Blake had one. Those guys, yeah, I mean, it's all over the place now. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah we do it from but um yeah well, i gotta it. think there's a lot of people a lot of wealthy buyers out there hopefully some of mine that are thinking you know going to your websites now oh god at a time like this i really wish if i had all this fun this playground because the world has changed and you want to be contained in your home 
especially in LA. You don't want to be caught in traffic, but can you imagine? I just think that's going to be more demand for that kind of product. For the obviously the uber wealthy, this is a very small, rarefied air type of person. But for those people, this is what they want, and you're you're building it, and you're doing it in such a creative, unique, and um, like you said, a warm way. It's actually people think, oh, you got to be a bachelor. No, these are the I've been in these homes. They're family friendly. It just design is cutting edge and it, it's fun and it's interesting, but you still build with families in mind. 100%. And, uh, you know, that's pretty, pretty amazing. What is, what would be like some funny things that people have asked you to do? Is there any funny stories about someone said, Hey, I want to build, I don't know, basketball or batting cage, whatever it is. What would be some of the weirder or unique things? It doesn't have to be weird. Just that people have wanted you to put in these homes. Um, hmm. You know, honestly, nothing of it has at, at this level. I mean, you've seen kind of so much going on, right? Like before, you would talk about you know the golf simulators and stuff like that, and you were like, "Huh, oh, golf simulator in the house?" You know, so you starting to see a, to see a lot of that now. I did a fish aquarium actually. Oh, they have a whole room. Well, no, this was actually on the floor. Oh, you right? did it on the floor, okay? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So we did it on the floor, and uh, what I'm doing now, which is pretty cool, we got this marine helicopter. That is sitting on so Bundy has three roof decks. Okay. And this marine copter is about thirty-nine feet long. It's sitting on one of the roof decks above the cannabis lounge. It's fully built out inside. It doesn't fly, of course, but it's got hardwood floors. I got fiber optic ceilings inside, suede walls, big screen TV, just a full sitting area. So it's like kind of like a tree house or like a lounge. Be chilling inside a uh, inside a copter, hanging out. You got this virtual video game inside that you can go ahead and play. You got the gorgeous view right there. You know, so it's just it's different, right? A little different. And here's one thing I'll tell you about these homes. Who's buying these homes? A lot of these homes are money guys, right? Yeah, big money. Guys. You know, a good percentage of them are the rich, the famous, the celebrities, and all that. These guys in LA can't really go out with a group of people and hang out and have a good right. time. Right, the paparazzi. It's just LA is a little bit more difficult yeah, on that level of the game for the group to go out. So the whole game plan for the guys who are buying these homes was, hey, build something that you don't have to leave, and people want to come there. Right. Smart. So then, I mean, this is like an entertainment dream, and also it's still a home. It's still warm. It's still family. Right, you got the indoor the pool, for example. Right, indoor pool. You got the outdoor pool. You got a putting range. You got the basketball court, uh, fire pits. I mean, just the, the whole nine yard with them. It's pretty much all set up in these homes. Yeah, yeah they're amazing. What an amazing thing. Yeah, I, I just can imagine right now. I wish I had that. I wish I could step into my, open my library doors and walk into the playroom and just hang out in quarantine for another month or so. You want to move? I keep telling my wife, I go, hey, man, we got to move. So we got, uh, so we got, tell me, what are, what are some of the hardest development uh, issues you've had? Obviously, it sounded like early on that was a hard issue in the home, in the track home. But is there anything technically, what's the hardest part of the, the technical side of building? Is it the hillside stuff? Or what would you say? You know, for me, it's actually gone pretty simple now be able to deal with this hillside. But I've been kind of doing it over and over again. I mean, and mastered it. Oh, yeah. The beginning was, you know, Definitely scary. I mean, listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. First project that I started doing ended up being the biggest nightmare in my life. I'm sure. Right? And, you know, the house started having issues. Started having, it started leaking just because going into it 
you know, not having the experience that you have now and counting on other people, right? Start, start having issues. Yeah. So, you know, you learn from that as you go on. Um, I didn't start doing low level basements at Hillside. Of course, you were right? doing track homes in yeah, yeah, yeah. San Bernardino. All right, you know, so it took some time to go ahead and get to that level. Um, that's been okay to go ahead and deal with. I would say that the hardest part about it would be just dealing with um, trees, for example. You got trees on this property, right? And in Brentwood and Bel Air and Powell, yeah. you do. In Brentwood, you know, Historic trees. Exactly. You see a lot of these, right? And uh, you have to go ahead and kind of learn how to design around these trees and still have the project make sense. Yeah. Right? For those problem. of people that aren't in LA or don't know about LA building, there are designated uh, special historic trees that you cannot tear down. So if you're building, even on a massive estate lot like Ray does, you, you got to be mindful of designing your build around these trees. You can't touch them. And they're serious. There's con, you know, con, conservationalists and get breathing down your throat and watching what you're doing. And you can't just go chop a tree down unless you want to pay some serious fines. Right. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. And then just kind of at this level, you know, you're doing a 20, 30,000 square feet house. You have to charm a lot of people. Right. And I always, this, this industry, it's, it, it's tough, man. This is, uh, especially when you're doing not easy, Ray. It's not easy. No, but it ain't easy, man. It, it is. I'm telling you, it's definitely not easy. You know, especially when you're doing quantity, right. And having to just kind of count on many, many, many different uh, aspects and different people that you're working with it. You know, I have a full-time super just sitting all day on that prop project, just kind of overseeing and helping out and making sure everything is going the way it has to go. But there's still issues. You know, that's kind of one major thing about it, having a child on everybody. Yeah. So what, what are some of the lessons you've learned through the years that you would give your younger self now that you've been through this and you've seen a couple cycles and you, you've had a lot of success, you've dealt with a lot of adversity, you've kind of been up and down, you've pivoted and seemed to learn from your mistakes. And it, it, what I'm hearing from you is a theme of adapting, pivoting, and improving, learning from mistakes, and then taking advantage coming out of those mistakes to do things even better. But right. what, uh, what would be some of the, the lessons or advice you would give your younger self knowing what you know now to, that would have saved you some headaches? Um, good question. Definitely. I would say a few things. One, you've got to have a backup plan, right? I mean, anytime I sit there and I look at a project, I have a backup plan for this project. Cause look, again, I always say it's not going to be great all the time, right? It's not yeah. going to be filet lobster and Disneyland. You know, on every single project, there's going right. to be issues, and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, yeah. I mean, God forbid there's an earthquake, and it just it goes to shit all of a sudden. Yeah. Right? I mean, look what, who would have ever thought of this nightmare? Coronavirus, yeah. Right? So you got to kind of, and you learn from this again. When I say it was the most expensive and best lesson is from back then what happened, even in 2007, 8, and 9, you kind of learn from that. And that fear that you have about the past you kind of put that in your whole business plan. Well, what am I going to do if this market um, drops down again? You know, so you kind of have that really thought about before you go into it. And I would say your end price. The first couple of projects I would go into it is not calculating exactly where is my end price going to be into this thing. Yeah. You know, I always say the number one thing is what you're building at. Well, I'm saying your what, building what, cost, your yes, price. And what your purchase cost is. 
your oh, purchase cost, right? Your purchase cost makes a big difference on that. And then here's the other thing. You'll buy a lot that you can do a 10,000 square foot house on it with a two-story house. But then there is another lot that, hey, you can still do a, uh, you know, a 10,000 square foot house, but now you got to add a basement to that to get to that 10,000 square foot. Yes. Right? And for the price you're buying it at, you have to hit that square feet to be able to sell it at the price you want to go ahead and sell, right? Price per square foot. Right. Right? So it, that kind of makes a big difference. A lot of these guys will come into the game and not understanding it. Right, they'll go out and buy something. Then, hey, I can go out and hire this contractor, and this guy down the street sold it for twenty million. So I right. can do it. I'll get it. Yeah. Right. Well, what you don't understand is, you know, that contractor better know what the hell he's doing, and that's the first nightmare you hear. Is sure. That these guys will go out there and pick on ten different jobs, make a little bit here and there, and you hear all these nightmare stories. Right. So many nightmares. I get these calls all the time, right? You know, then you have the designers who gets involved that charge a good percentage of it, but this designer is not thinking about, you know, the cost of this guy's going to have to make money at the end of the day. Right. He's going to have to hit his X percentage or whatever it is. Designers, most of the designers, I would say, they kind of think about look first, right? Yeah. Well, it, it makes a difference. You know, you don't go buy, you know, a three, four thousand dollar faucet when you're putting it in a, you know, right. a million dollar house. The so balance between art and commerce at all times has got to be kept in mind. So you'll get into it, and then now, oof, now the market just changed. What yeah. do you do now? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? What do you, yeah. what do, you do now? Like with me, for, I, 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 there's no contractor involved. It's just me. I do the design, right? And I come in, and, you know, we have about a 50% subs. The other 50% is our own in-house crew. You know, so I'm bringing in a lot of material and kind of managing the guys ourselves. Yeah, I sit there and the design from A to Z, you know, and go up with it. But you got to be careful. You really got to be careful, especially if you're on the, you know, higher level. And I always say location, location, location. I think right now, I think it's going to take a hit. I, I definitely do. And you're going to have to be ready for it. You're going to have to yeah. understand, unless you're willing to sit, unless you're willing to sit, you're going to have to understand that you're going to have to go ahead and your price adjustment a little bit here and there. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that you see, they're selling before they're finished, right? Or they're selling pretty quick. Now, why? I price them right. you got to price them right. Right, 100%. And this is right now kind of where I think it's going to make a big difference. The guys who are into it for more than they should be into it. Right, because they bought it wrong or they made a mistake with designer or contractor. And now the market didn't save them. A lot of people, amateurs, got saved when the market was flying. Exactly. This is when professionals right. like you make the smart, strategic decisions early, right. do well, and a lot of people will get burned because right. Right. they were planning on the market just continuing, continuing forever. A perfect example, I'll tell you this, Bel Air, right? Dropped a gorgeous house, right? We went on the market for, I think, 19.9 or something like that. You're talking 14.75, Bel Air? Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, market started kind of to freezing right now because agents can show yeah, people are freeze. Yeah. but you know so i have to be ready right now hey you know do i want to sit and wait or do i want to go ahead and play and try to go ahead and move this thing i'm a player i don't like to say yeah but i do i bring it down i put it at 69 now what does that do to everything around it impact everything right right so it's going to impact it and you better be you got to be ready to be able to just go ahead and play with it a little bit or it's going to hurt you. So, you know, and yeah. it's, it's going to happen. 
yeah, there's tough decisions. This is part of being a builder. It's not just like you said, lobster and fillets every day. I mean, it, markets change, things happen. Right. And uh, that's part of it. If you're going to be in the big leagues, you're, you're, you get burned and you got to make some tough choices. And, uh, Here's the other thing I think people should really understand and be careful that there's guys out there with money, right? And this is really important. People don't understand is on the hard money side about it, right? Yeah. There's guys that will go out there and it's a great game plan, but you know, you're going ahead and investing in these projects and charging that individual, whatever. 10%. 10%, yeah. Couple right? points. Exactly. Now what happens is that 10% is going to keep adding up. Um, that yeah. thing is sitting, and this guy just lends you $3, 4000000 million. Yeah. You better be ready to go ahead and start paying up that interest that is adding up and adding up and adding yeah. up. Yeah. There goes your profit really quick. Exactly. I mean, that's a lot of interest compounding, compounding, compounding. Well, how many projects are you working on now? How many do you have that are either done or in production or starting? How many do you have going? There's a total of five. Five. Um, yes, that are going up right now. It's a good amount at the high end. Yeah. Um, two of them, uh, there's two that are done, which is Bel Air and Canfield, which we just brought on the market. Right. Uh, the three, yeah, there's a massive one that will hopefully start in about a month, month and a half on Samara. It's going to be dropped at Gorgeous. In Bel Air. Oh, yes, yes. And How big uh, is that one going to be? That's a massive one. Right? Yeah, so Mara is going to be approximately around 25, 27,000 square feet. Yeah, it's got two pools, the main pool, 10 feet deep. You jump in, and then it's all glass on the bottom, so you're in a lower level. You're looking inside a pool. Have you started there? Have you done any soils or grading or things, or no? Yeah, just got the plans, actually. I'm just working on a final design right now. Yeah, um, yeah that's a big I'll one. You got, I'll send it to you. It's pretty cool. Send it to me. Well, I'll have to say this. Some of my favorite times in real estate are when you send videos of you and your boys smashing and demoing old teardowns. And I'm like, man, just invite me. That's such good therapy for us and our boys that are active and running around. Next time, let me come up there with my two boys with some hammers and let's start clubbing the crap out of those walls. Let's do it. Man, thank oh, you so oh, much. How old are your boys? Uh, I have nine and seven, and then my daughter's five. Okay, it's right. Minus, uh, yeah, minus eight. Age, right? Yeah, they know they're similar age. They're right there. All right. Well, good. I'm glad everyone's doing well and everyone's healthy. I appreciate you spending some time with us. We're doing this on Zoom now. The world has changed. But look, you do some beautiful work, and hopefully I'll be selling some of these projects soon. And I can't wait to come up with some hammers and demo with my boys and get some of that anger management out, real estate <laughs> anger management. Just bring, just bring, a, bring a mask. <laughs> Bring a mask, man, and gloves. All right, Ray, good to see you, man. I'm a man. Good to see you. You have a good one. Take care. Take care, buddy. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you for tuning in and listening to the to the deal. That was Ray Nasrati from uh, Huntington Estate Properties. Incredible. You can always find Ray at heproperties.com or on Instagram. He's at Ramteen underscore Ray underscore Nasrati. Incredible stories. You can always follow, find me at the deal pod, thedealpod.com. Please subscribe. Leave five-star review if you like what you hear. Leave a comment. We really appreciate it. Our subscriber base and listeners have doubled over the last couple of weeks and it just keeps increasing. So please keep 
listening and keep letting people know about us. Appreciate it, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm gonna be the best.